Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Welcome to the ContenderCast. This is Justin Hahnemann, and I am so excited today. I am with Vicki Cantrell, who has been a good friend for a long time. In fact, um, I think I say everyone is my good friend. Everyone's like a best friend or a good friend. But Vicki and I actually met uh, when I was working at Coca-Cola, and I was working in especially retail and was getting super involved in retail. And she was at Tory Burch at the time as a COO. And uh, Vicki, it is awesome having you on the podcast. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks, Justin. Absolutely. So one of the things I was thinking as we were planning to get together here in New York was, you know, I really wanted to hear your story and hear how you made some of the decisions in your career. And, I, you know, as I was doing some of my homework, um, you're someone that started in IT, um, not in retail, actually, uh, moved into technology and retail, made the move over into the COO role at Tory, and then over into the industry side with NRF and whatnot, but in other moves in between. But I'd love to hear from you, you know, some of your thoughts on uh, defining moments or what drove some of your, you know, how did you decide to make some of those decisions? Sure. It's uh, been a an incredible journey uh, that certainly isn't over yet, but there have been some very specific things that uh, I went from one to another. I actually started in retail as a buyer. Oh, I had no good. technology okay. background whatsoever. Oh. Started as a buyer. And the, <laughs> where I was at JCPenney, this was way back when they were going to put in And I put quotes around it, computer registers. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And so I happened to be one of the people that helped train the 150 people in the store on these computer registers. Wow. Okay. So I thought, wow, this is kind of fun. And so then actually went into, started looking for opportunities in uh, the technology space and ended up working for a a company that had a brand new product, which was a full end-to-end system for automotive aftermarket, happened to join that company right as they were doing their very first installation. So then it went on from there. And then I was in technology working for a software company, and we implemented, this was before the days of uh, uh, consultants where you did everything yourself. You went and, you know, this is before... You went in. As you weren't the outsourcing to right. consultants to do work. Anything, right? So anyway, I did that for a long time. But you know, when you're when you're implementing retail systems in all of these retailers, you really want to see the breadth of what it can do for a retailer, and that's how I ended up getting back into working for retailers in the IT space, helping them to to implement things. So I guess. That's how I ended up being in technology, in retail, coming up from the business side, not from the technology side, which makes a difference because I would say that throughout my career, I have, and through the many places I've been, I have never had to stay in my swim lane. Even though I was a CIO, I was, uh, and granted, it didn't hurt that I worked for some top luxury retailers where CRM is so critical and the customer is so critical, and you have the ability to have a deep relationship with the customer. Well, I guess coming up through the business side, understanding that most people that I've met, like in traditional IT, uh, often struggle because they haven't come up through that, that side of the business or in the business itself. They've come up through traditional IT roles. Right. And, I, and you know, there's really two kinds of CIOs. You have the ones that come up through the business and one that comes up. And, and again, all 
perfectly relevant and and but I just happened to be on the the business side nice. which really um, allowed me to be involved in all the different aspects of the business so I have a really deep knowledge of CRM from my luxury business. We, sure. we implemented lots of great things before its time, uh, segmenting and, and really understanding the data and being able to make some real uh, active improvements. I mean, you know, you can make one little improvement, you, you know, 0.5 units per sale in addition, and we're talking millions Huge of dollars. Huge impact. Right. Huge, Huge impact. impact. Wow. So... Think of that where I did a lot of CRM work yeah. as, a, as an I, CIO, yep. okay? And then the other side is when I worked at Gucci, this was a, a turning point, we went from one brand, Gucci, to 10 brands. So this was the war of the luxury titans. And uh, we acquired 10 different brands. So being, and, and here's the interesting part about that. So there was no due diligence. It was really two luxury titans going after, going each, after other, each other. Going after each other, sure. So uh, the interesting part was you didn't know it was coming. It's here. We acquired this brand. Go figure it out. Well, think about a business inside retail. Out of all of the aspects of retail and all of the functions, I should say, and all of the silos, who knows project management, right? Right. And who IT. brings the project management expertise? Right? It's typically in IT. Right. That's right. It's nowhere else in the business. So suddenly you have a bunch of acquisitions to do. You have a great management team who put, gets shoulder to shoulder, figures this thing out, okay? Sure. And we work together, but who ends up leading it is IT because it becomes a very important project. No when doubt. You have to move... Um, whole operations from one place to another. You have to expand distribution centers. You have to take on new products. So through that process of acquiring those t 10 brands, I pretty much became an operations expert. Sure, I can imagine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so even though you were in IT, you were essentially ensuring the acquisition took place and got done. Right. With and the integration, with, right? Right, with, yeah. a, with a great management team and all of those functions. But uh, So I was really fortunate because I got a really strong CRM background, a really strong operations background. Sure. And so at, at a point in time when I was at uh, Giorgio Armani, I was really you know, for lack of a better way to put it, done with IT. <laughs> you know, it, right. it just wasn't something that was causing me to be jazzed every morning. You know, it had sure. become in, in my, my mentally a maintenance aspect of my career. And I loved operations and I love CRM and, and customer stuff. So how do you make that leap? Okay. Good question. Any CIO can call a recruiter and say, I want to be a COO. And every one of them will say, yeah, you and every other CIO. Right. Right. No and doubt. So, or some may not know that that could be a career option for them. Right. And they get stuck in the CIO swirl. Right. And, and it is. So I made a, a very specific concerted effort and did a couple of things. I, I, I strongly believe in mentoring and I worked with a career coach and I worked with somebody who literally helps you refashion yourself. So I actively went and did that. I also wrote what I call a one pager. This is something that I've advised lots of people to do over time. It is who I am, what I do and how I do it. And you sit there and you write it all out. No restrictions on space and time. Sure. Okay. 
just free form what comes to you. And then that's likely to be a couple of pages long. <laughs> Not just a one pager. Right. Yep. But the exercise of you getting that down to one page is really critical because what happens the most important things rise to the top. No doubt. It really is helpful to kind of give yourself some direction about what's important to you. And for you, do you find that you personally have revisited that over time? So you did that that first time for yourself. And I know you do that with your coaches and mentees. But do you find on a cadence that you what, yearly or some other way update it or refresh it? Uh, yeah, I, I have looked at it. And uh, actually, <laughs> I've decided that I have to practice what I preach <laughs> and do it again because <laughs> I'm, about this, to, I'm about another to crossroads. embark yep. into another crossroads, which yep, I'm which really we'll get excited to in a minute. about. Yep. So anyway, it's I, I really did that. And I literally had a one pager for customer relationship and I had a one pager for operations for COO because this was the direction I wanted to. And I literally worked with this coach. You have to meet new recruiters or recruiters in a different area of the business. You can't just go through your IT CIO recruiter pool. Um, and, and so you really have to branch out. It, as you know, and everybody knows, it's really about who you're connected to, your network, you expand your network, you figure out how to do that. And, and it was a concerted effort. Um, and then I ended up at Tory Birch as the as the <laughs> chief operating officer. Right. So you know you you make that move uh, over to Tory. But by the way, I'll never forget walking in that office and seeing that unbelievable orange, <laughs> orange room and pink. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I I couldn't even believe uh, the the merchandise and how it was displayed. It was incredible. But it, that's sidebar. Um, so what was that like? You know, walking out of the CIO role one day and into a COO role um, with Tori? It was, uh, first of all, it felt completely natural. As, as I said before, I was never stuck in my own swim lane, okay? I have always had a very broad purview in any job that I've had. So this was, felt just completely comfortable. Um, walking in, I was, I joined them when Tori Birch was four years old. Uh, which was really an amazing, amazing time. Perfect time to be joining. Yeah. Growth mode, right? Growth I mean, mode. Yeah. By the time I left, we had grown 300% wow. in that time. Wow. Uh, incredible brand. Yeah, incredible. And still, and, you know, I, all of my uh, all my past lives, I have such a sweet, soft spot for. I've, I've <laughs> well, loved Well, you're a relationship person, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, yeah. you're a <laughs> connector and you keep in touch with all of the folks you've worked with. Yep. Uh, so anyway, it's, you know, when you walk in in a big role in a brand like that, you have a lot of responsibility because it's a young brand and you haven't parsed out. You're not big enough to have a full dedicated person to each of the areas that you're working on. So I had a really broad purview when I first joined. So as a leader, even though you were in the quote unquote C-level role, because the organization was relatively new, you were filling the boxes, I'll call it, on an org chart because the organization just didn't have the scale to, to be able to grow yet, right? To, to add more people. So you were wearing multiple hats. Yep. And I, and I loved it. And Ditto. You, <laughs> <laughs> Lots of balls in the air, so I thrive, and, right. and I know that you're you. That's how you operate. You know, it, when you hear, well, you know, you know, you, 
we're a young company. You might have to empty the the trash can. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) It'll be done. (laughs) (laughs) And it was uh, just such uh, an exciting time always because not only was it exciting for the brand, because think about the growth. There isn't, there wasn't one lane of growth. So we were growing internationally at the same time I joined was when they were opening up Europe and opening up Asia. Okay. So we're growing location wise. We were growing product wise, adding new products, growing employee wise stores. Every aspect of the business was growing and, uh, just wholesale and retail. And so you really couldn't just say, okay, I'm going to add a hundred stores. Right. It wasn't that it was adding distribution centers sure. and, and the infrastructure, relations, the infrastructure. Sure. And so really just an amazing, uh, exciting time and going through that and then figuring out getting big enough to start to parse out some of those responsibilities and build a staff and build a team, always building the team. The most important thing about Tory Birch was the culture and trying to protect that culture was our top priority. So I, I think that's an interesting topic and one that we're going to be exploring on a couple of podcasts. But tell me and tell our, our podcast audience, what was the culture like? And then what were the things you guys did to try to maintain that strong culture? So the culture was uh, orange. Okay. <laughs> and, and vibrant. When, yes, vibrant. And, and I'll, I'll tell you why I said orange. But first of all, it was, first of all, it's young. And, and this comes from Tori. Okay. The leader is the leader. And she has always been, really understands the importance of team, understands the importance of everybody. And to be successful, you have to have a good team. Everyone was so incredibly passionate about the brand. And most importantly, the authenticity. Tori herself has always been very authentic. She does her own social media at the time, sure. etc. And so the authenticity of the brand really needs to kind of pervade through the organization. And we just, um, everything was shoulder to shoulder, grow together, no putting on airs, no levels, sure. you know, that despite those titles, of right. Yeah. Despite yep. titles, you just all work for the brand. And again, comes from the leader. So the culture was very special. And I'll tell you about the orange. What I used to say to people is put on your orange underwear. Okay. <laughs> and what that means is, and, and I've used it since what that means is you, you take on this kindness helpfulness, assume the best, assume the best has been a mantra of mine for many, many, many years. I talk about it everywhere I go. I talk about it to every staff I've ever had. Assume the best. Start from the best because most of the time you're right. And and that's a hard thing for people, right? Because with the the world we live in, the media, et cetera, your inclination sometimes can be to walk into a situation and judge or to um, conclude something about someone you're working with uh, or a team member or a leader, especially coming in new to the organization. So how do you manage that? How do you, you know, is it, is it something like a routine you've put yourself in? Yes. And, And you know what? It's no different than anything else. When you want something to take hold, how many times do you have to say it? Sure, right? absolutely. You keep you keep it up. It becomes like your mantra. Exactly, and we would put it on placards and put it up and change where the placard was so that it doesn't become part of the landscape that you don't look and read anymore. 
Um, and also, it is just building that culture of assume the best and celebrate your wins. You know, one mm, thing that I have found. Love that concept. One of the things that I have found in the last, I don't know, it, 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 gets, it gets actually more prevalent is you're always rushing to the next thing, right? Okay, yes. I'm at NRF. Especially this weekend, right? right? I right? mean, the, the big weekend of the year we're here at the in New big York. Show, yep. And at the end of the big show, we're going to be rushing into the next thing. And yeah. and when I was at NRF, it was the next event and the next thing and the the follow, all the sure. things, right? So we, we live in a culture of always rushing to the next thing, right? And you are getting so much accomplished every day of every week. And because you're always rushing to the next thing, you never stop and say, wow, we did a good thing there, right? So I think it's really important to pick a time, whether it's weekly or monthly or whatever, write down, here's what we did and put it up somewhere for someone to read. Take just a moment to celebrate the wins and the work that you did without just rushing to the next thing. And the tendency for individuals, teams, and organizations is always to look at, you know, what's tomorrow or what have you done with me for me lately? I guess you could say a lot of companies, cultures are good that you got that win. Now we still got to make our number for the quarter or we got to get on to the next number we're pursuing or the next deal. And you're right. I think uh, it's a challenge a lot of times for cultures to celebrate individual wins and team wins and, and organization wins instead of always looking forward to the next thing. Right, right. It's a good exercise to kind of force yourself into to take the moment because people then feel positive about, okay, somebody recognized we're doing all this hard work, even if it's just each other. No question. It builds a strong team. No question. Well, Vicki, it is awesome that you are here on the podcast with us. And I am really excited because you're going to be here for the next part, a two-parter. And um, so I want to thank you. I want to just recap the, the things we'd already covered. So um, I love your idea of this whole setting out some personal goals and objectives, uh, kind of your one pager, if you want to call it that. And I love the idea on culture of celebrating wins and really protecting great culture elements. And I think those are those are some of the key things that you've already highlighted. Yeah, there are some foundational tenets that go through everything you do and every job you take and every individual that you influence. And would you say those are a couple of those? Oh, yes, absolutely. It's awesome. Vicki Gentrell, thank you so much for being with us. You're going to hang around. We're going to do a, a second part. And for all of those of you that are listening, you'll find the second part coming up on our next episode. For more information on today's topic or to access additional leadership content, tools, and resources, check out contenderbrands.com. Also, you can download other ContenderCast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store and Google Play Store. And remember, every winner started as a contender.